0: Welcome to episode two of Stiffneck Radio, brought to you by Stiffneck Studio, your best option for quality commission miniature painting. I'm Will, your host. I'm joined by my buddy, David. Say hello, David.
1: Hey, what's up, guys?
0: And uh, today we're going to give you a little backstory episode for us, um, tell you how we got into gaming, um, what we're interested in, and go over some events that happened this week for us and uh, give a little uh, preview into this weekend's events uh, in Austin at WarGamesCon and upcoming at Nova Open. So, let's start with you, David. How did you get into uh, WarGaming?
1: Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, um, WarGaming and me probably have been two peas in a pod since... I don't know, probably a six or seven. Um, And a lot of people probably wouldn't consider what I'm about to say, wargaming, wargaming. But uh, I really was into a lot of those early computer games. Uh, I cut my teeth on Civilizations 2, uh, some old game called Castles 2, things like that. Um, Age of Empires, I used to be a top 150 in the world ranked player in Age of Empires 2, actually, for a period of time. Um, so I was really into both turn-based and real-time strategy games uh, on the computer when I was younger. Um, I was introduced uh, to D&D, uh, probably middle school, and after we started you know, going to different comic book shops and things like that to, to get supplements, I started seeing these uh, Warhammer fantasy models and things like that. And it was really interesting. It was an interesting time. It was about when the Lord of the Rings series came out and Games Workshop launched their Lord of the Rings models in-game. and Also, D&D had their D&D Chainmail Skirmish game, which was really great if you have never had a chance to play it. Uh, you can still get some of the models for it on eBay, but they're not very common. Probably one of the best Skirmish miniature games ever been made. Uh, I highly recommend it if you can get your hands on some stuff and some people to play it with. But um, I just kind of got drawn into the the Warhammer fantasy community around that time, which was really big uh, where I was growing up. But it was just a really robust Warhammer community in general. So it was probably about 60-40 in favor of 40k players, and this was back in 3rd edition for 40k. Um, but, you know, I, I always thought Elves were pretty cool. I came in at the new launch of the 6th edition High Elves, and uh, I was the... Uh, the asshole that was playing Dragon Prince Super Death Stars with the battle banner and running people off the table in 6th edition and everybody whined and complained. Um, you know, for all those old fantasy players out there, they probably get what I'm talking about 18 inch charge range. It's pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I played primarily. And I always said to myself, you know, I'm never going to get in 40K. I don't like that game. Uh, it doesn't appeal to me. And, you know, how these things constantly go, one thing led to another. I find myself uh, my fourth year of uh, my doctoral program thinking, you know, those Tau, they look pretty cool. I'm going to start making lists. And I I feel like making lists is really sort of like, at least for me, the the gateway drug into into getting into a new GW game. Um, That's probably just who I am, Uh, you know, for my job. I'm an analyst uh, for the federal government. Um, So any sort of analysis or breakdown of troop movements and formations and dispositions and things like that are things that i just find interesting so i started making a few of those lists and first i'm making tau lists and then i'm making chaos lists and then i start reading the fluff and i'm like i don't even care if they're good the blood angels sound really interesting and so i basically started collecting blood angels around 2014-15 uh, and I've been building up a heavy supply of them. I've actually just started a dark Eldar army recently. Um, but that's, that's pretty much my uh, story on the commercial side of wargaming. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm also involved professionally on the, the professional side of wargaming. So I actually design and analyze wargames for a living. I um, work for the Department of the Army. And we just got done doing a major war game for Army Cyber Command a few weeks ago. Um, in fact, I actually was just working one of the major war gaming conferences within the professional community that just finished uh, just today. It's called um, Connections USA. So basically, the Connections Conference is a conference geared at anybody who loves wargaming, practices wargaming, wants to be in wargaming. Um, they, uh, they take anybody and everybody. So, you know, we didn't have any 40K players there. I've never seen any at any of these conferences, but you wouldn't be shunned. In fact, on the actual open game night, there were a bunch of Flames of War players playing. Uh, hell, I was playing this really incredible board game called Marco Polo. And of course there was, you know, actual professional DOD oriented uh war games going on as well it's a completely unclassified conference it costs no money to show up to anybody and everybody's welcome um if that's something that interests you there's a couple events that have them all over the world um i think connections australia is actually next week so if you live in the australia area check that out if you want to spend two thousand dollars on a plane ticket to check it out go for it um stay tuned uh Check your Google, and and they'll get announced that way. But they have pretty bad outreach, so you, you you're gonna have to look for it yourself. It's gonna be hard to find. It's not like Gen Con or or uh, Nova Open or any of those big conferences.
0: And I'll try to put something in the in the show notes about it too, to so that everyone has a a link to it because it, it when you described it to me earlier this week and it seemed really cool. Um, it, it's got this strangely diverse group of people that are all tied by the the broadest definition of the term war game um which is really interesting
1: well you know it it is interesting because the kinds of people that you're used to seeing and expect to seeing in a lot of these local game stores are pretty much the exact same kinds of people that you're going to see at this conference and you'd think that maybe they're going to pull out their Warhammer cases and start rolling some dice, but no. It, it turns out that these wargamers, no matter what games they play or, or practice, they pretty much kind of look and dress and act the same, which is kind of interesting.
0: So, um, there. I was thinking about when you were talking about going over like lists and stuff. Um, you 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 glanced over one of the the big ways that that you and I know each other, which is um, that is in, heavily involved in creating lists, which is Magic the Gathering, right? Which is is how you and I initially met back in, I guess, right around when Mirrodin was first released for for Magic, um, playing playing back home, and uh, and the the constant writing lists for that, I think, really ties into like both you and I. I mean, for everyone in any viewing people that David and I probably churned through five or six 40 K lists a week. And there was a time where that would be light um, in terms of like modifications on stuff. Like when we were going through magic at the gathering, it was a constant deal of turning through lists. So it's, I think that's a big thing too, for a big reason why both David and I think, think that way and are drawn to it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people derive pleasure from from beating their opponents. A lot of people derive pleasure from painting the models. A lot of people derive pleasure from playing the game and rolling the dice. I mean, I probably get as much fun out of thinking of the ideas and, and executing them. But, you know, for me personally, and I've always said this to you, I will go out of my way to do things that are suboptimal just to not be like everyone else. I like to find that special way that nobody is playing and beat them with it. So a perfect example of this for for magic players out there who are old enough, by the way, Uh, there's this card that was voted in Duelist magazine, which I don't even think exists anymore, but that was the official Wizards of the Coast, uh, Magic the Gathering magazine, when the set Nemesis came out. So now I'm really dating myself here. Um, It was voted worst card in the set. It's called Wrath's Edge. Um, I, I don't, I'm probably not getting this right. It's all off the top of my head, and I haven't seen the card in 15 years, but it's one of those non-basic lands that you know it can tap to make a colorless mana. I think it comes in a play Tap, so it's also really bad. But then you pay for colorless mana, you tap it, you sacrifice a land on top of all of that, and then it does one damage to a target creature or player. I mean, it's awful. Well, I said challenge accepted, and I put two of them in my deck, and I killed so many people with the stupid land. It was the best experience growing up of my life, just crushing people with the worst card of the set. <laughs> that uh,
0: that is uh, I think that it, one it explains a lot. It, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think you ever told me that story. Um, because you told me a lot about some of your other, the ridiculous control decks um, that you had made for funsies. Um back before I met you but uh but that yeah that that doesn't explain a lot i mean that that goes into probably a conversation we 'll have maybe in uh a bonus episode if we if we get to record it after this about uh, uh about our thoughts on on primaris um eliminators and blood- and blood angels maybe and some of the things for that if we if we get to it but um so I guess going into two for me. Um, go with my backstory on it. So, my first experience with wargaming is probably Mage Knight. Um, so, for everyone that that doesn't know that this existed, um, if you've seen Hero Clicks, you've seen Mage Knight in the commercially profitable form um, and, and sustainable <laughs> form, <laughs> right? Where you have where it has an IP to latch onto um you know maze knight was a a pre-painted fantasy um skirmish game that the all the stats were contained it was actually ahead of its time it was awesome from the standpoint of hey it's pre-painted which you see now all the time done really well and had all the stats for the creatures on the base the one big downside for it is that it was it was Package like a collectible card game would be where it was randomized booster packs which meant that You could never guarantee what you're getting and really quickly it kind of fell apart because uh, they didn't understand how to box things and and really what their margins are and and uh, People quickly just traded for the stuff they wanted and and uh, essentially all the people that didn't care about winning would get all the other stuff just to make big battles. And then all the people that did care about winning would trade for this, the stuff they really wanted from the others. And uh, they essentially didn't need to buy as many packs as as, um, as the Maze Knight um, marketing department thought that they would need to um, to remain sustainable. So, so that kind of fell apart. But it was super fun um, and really easy to play. Um, you didn't have to paint. Um, and it's something that that David, you and I have talked about of like anything like a version of that for 40k Warhammer Fantasy would have been great. Um, as just a like, hey, it's gonna be super central. I mean, like, honestly, if Blood Bowl had been that, I would have been like, Let's play Blood Bowl. Like, it's not all the stuff on the bases, like I just know what it's doing and it's prepainted. This is great. Um, but
1: um Yeah, I mean, how much how much of a marketing win would it be for Games Workshop to sell products like they sell them now, but just include one random stupid model from another army that's not the army that you're buying for in every box, maybe not even the same damn game. Like, eventually you're going to think, shit, I got like eight of these models. I should try to get this army and just force you to buy more product.
0: Yeah, that's something I had never thought about, too, of like, of do it for the the random samples in there um even if it's just like little things like put a squig in there i'm like what is with this squig like why why is there a squig in like my high elf box which rest in peace high elves um they're they're they're, they're officially gone now as a as a thing poor high elves um but uh but yeah and then um you know i started playing magic um I was pretty late to the magic game, so I didn't play magic until maybe like two sets before I met you, David. Right. So that's, you know, just before in the magic community, um, modern starts, um, just a few sets before that. Um, yes. Yeah. So and you
1: start, yeah. During, uh, on block. block.
0: Yeah. yeah. So right at the end of, of, uh, of what is now is like the, the cutoff for, for modern. Um, right. and then, uh, not long after you got into fantasy, um, I guess in the middle of 7th edition, so edition after you, I got into fantasy, and essentially I was like, hey, these High Elves are cool that David's getting. I'll get High Elves too, which I don't know why you never were like, don't get High Elves, that's stupid. Get something completely different, but...
1: I I told you, don't get High Elves, they suck. (laughs) I remember very clearly saying this. I said, Lizardmen, that's who you want.
0: But um but anyway, uh so I got I got into high elves and I have a bunch of high elves still sitting over here that I'm gonna be uh be repainting here soon as uh as stone high elves. But um and then got into va- vampire counts, which are my favorite army and I love I love the undead. Um always play a necromancer in D and D. At some point in here I got into D and D and then um uh, maybe guess around the same time i think it was i think it was probably it was in the like toward the end of seventh when David and I got into to forty k um it was like it was after it was, it was after sigmar age of Sigmar happened, and I was like, i'm not rebasing my stuff. this game is not fun for me right now um I'm going through my m b a program um and I just got disconnected and I was like, oh. And that's where I met um Wes Cogdall, who runs SIF Studio, and you know, he introduced me to 40K as uh, as something I might actually want to do. And I got to see the models in person and in and uh and that's really where I started playing. And so now I have my my Custodes army and my space marines. Um and uh and I'm slowly starting now my uh all nurgle army for nurgle demons and so uh yeah so that's that's where I am now just like david I like finding the the weird combos and everything you know I've got my my salamanders and it's it's everything is it's multiple small units that all hit really hard And I want to try to exploit the game mechanics of their chapter tactics to see if I can win in a way that people aren't currently winning. Um, I'm not going to roll out there with Gilman and a bunch of Ultramarines. Um, I'm not going to go buy seven Eldar Flyers or three Knights and Rusty 17 and a, and a loyal 32, you know, and a couple tank commanders. Like that's just not what's going to happen. So um, I'm not going to chase the meta. I'm just going to build the thing that I am and, and try to beat people using essentially the way it's designed because I don't run. I don't play competitively. Like, or like this weekend, I'm going to be help, I'm helping uh, with WarGamesCon in Austin, um, which is an awesome uh, tournament run out of Austin every August um, by my buddy John Cook. I helped set up yesterday for them and uh and it's more about organizing help help run the rtt's in austin which we get we got 28 players at a local rtt in a, uh, for one day um this last month and that's 28 players when we turned away three and i didn't play um i dropped so that we could fit in the store uh, which is nuts um like we could have easily you know gone to past midnight and added two rounds and done a, a you know a 32 man gt if you know and we probably could sustain that every month if we needed to which is crazy but the, the organizing is the stuff i'm more into um and in doing this so you know i help I help wes with the studio um i'm i'm the one posting the funny memes and uh and links to other people's stuff and and so that's, that's sort of my background. Um, so this week, I already talked about um, you know, the things that we did this week. You we talked about the convention. Um, War Games Con is going on this week. Um, by the time this episode releases, it's very unlikely anyone would be able to, to get to it. It'll probably be done or be in the middle. will probably release this on Saturday. But um, coming up, is the the nova open um that's the next big stuff and some mech- next big thing the studio is going to be at um so the nova open uh the northern virginia open is uh in Al- in alexandria virginia um, just across the river from dc
1: uh well it's technically in crystal city so
0: crystal city oh, okay i didn't even know that was an actual town i thought that was just like the name of the stop
1: you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's own town. Well, you know what? It's got to be because I've paid a lot of extra money in sales tax when I go to the Chick-fil-A at Crystal City. So they definitely are their at least their own tax zone.
0: OK, but it's uh, it's August 29th through September 1st, with unfor- which unfortunately it means David can't go, even though he, he lives in the area because he'll be um, here hanging out with me for a lot of that time. But, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, you know, it's amazing. I've always wanted to go to Nova Open, and I've been in the DC area now for three years, and I haven't had the chance to make it any single year. So,
0: yeah, we got close one time, um, I think, when I, but uh, that's, that's about it. There was one where I, I almost came in, but then even you had something come up, and it was like, well, then I'm not coming in. Um, if, if I'm not going to be able to coincide it with Nova, there's no reason to come in. Um, because I'm not gonna like go to Nova by myself if you're not gonna be able to go too. But it's a big one for the studio. Um, the every year for Stiffneck Studio, everyone that all the painters, and uh, and then me, the admin, um, usually get together at it's either it's at Adepticon and at Nova. So it's into six months apart. It's our it's our biannual team meeting. Um. Where we meet and uh, and go it's like our retreat and we do painting classes and you know sit at the tables and and you know get the word out about what we do um, and then Nova is a, a special place in our heart um, Wes has been painting for the studio since the Nova open or has been painting for the charitable foundation, the Nova open charitable foundation since their first summer raffle, which I am going to end the slideshow and show if I can only get to it. Um, so this year, um, every year that the Nova Open does a, an online and in-person raffle, you do not have to be present to win. Um, but you just buy raffle tickets. They are specific to the item and at the end of the the Nova Open, they draw the, the the tickets, and you win the item. And shipping is free anywhere on the planet. Um, they all go to benefit various nonprofits. Um, this is I'm showing on the screen is a Fire Raptor painted by the studio for the the charitable foundation. This one benefits uh, Fisher House Foundation, which is a great charity that benefits military families. Um, same thing as we painted a, a, an Infinity. Um, squad, a, a little battle force. Um, and uh, this also is, is going to be one of the other raffles. It's, it's really diverse. You can find raffles for pretty much everything. There's Flames of War, 40k, Age of Sigmar, Infinity, almost every game you can think of. Some random busts that are, that are just unique, cool-looking models. Um, and this year, for the first time ever, and, and maybe the last time, um, because it was a ton of work for them. Uh, painted by um, the guys over at, uh, man, why am I I'm blinking on it right now? Um, CK Studios that do all the great painting classes um, is a Warlord Battle Titan. Um, it's, it's only eight bucks a ticket, which is crazy. For eight dollars, you could win what is easily a $7,000 model now. With after all this painting, it is nuts. I mean, like, what do you think of this, David? Like, this thing is beautiful.
1: Yeah, no, it looks great. Uh, The only issue I've got with it, the only issue is, man, it looks like an Alpha Legion. I mean. Which, you know, if that's what you're into, right, that's great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, they 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 did a custom lore. So so Carl Tuttle over at Independent Characters Podcast wrote the backstory for this, and um, they, they have they include a little excerpt in the uh, the description, right? And so uh, what is it, man? Uh, I read the, a part of it. It's just so cool, um, you know. About hey, it's on Calypso 2, and it's um it's called that uh, it, you know it's got a really cool name siege of heaven all oh, of that um but it's a full backstory for it that i don't know how long it was but i know that it's long it's think of like the fluff that is in any of the the rule books you get for 40k in your codexes it's that level of fluff about the backstory of this Titan, which is a cool thing to to have with it, it'll be shipped with it, so that's pretty awesome. Um, so I do recommend everyone. You know, the raffle on this one is going to close at the on September first, and they're going to do the drawing. So get your tickets, go to novaopenfoundation.org and look for the raffle and and buy your tickets. It is a hundred percent worth it. Um, so I'm gonna give a, a plug for them. And uh, also, if you're going to be at Nova Open. Um, we do still have space open for the three classes that we're teaching. So um, one every day. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday, uh, Friday and Saturday, we're doing uh, speed painting to tabletop level, um, which uh, the guys are, really good at teaching that it's always one of the the favorite one. And then I think the first time we're teaching this is also advanced weathering on Sunday. Um, so you can, you know, if you look at things like on, on the fire raptors, a lot of weathering on this. Um, so it's like, you know, how, how to do that level of weathering, um, and the different techniques for that, whether you're doing chipping or, um, Painting on the weathering after the fact, which is most of the method on this one. This is a combination of, of painting the weathering on um, with lines and then also um, washes and different things like that. So this is using pretty much every technique that you can do other than chipping. Yeah, I don't think he. yeah, we didn't use chipping on this one. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, so you can still get tickets for those. There's some space available. Usually we have extra space, even if they fill up. Um, We're pretty close to capacity, but if you sign up, we'll definitely be able to fit you in. So, um, with all of that being said, uh, thanks all for joining us. I appreciate you listening, and you can find us at on Facebook a Stiffneck Studio or at stiffneckstudio.com and Stiffneck Studio on Instagram. Thanks, have a great week.
1: Yeah. See ya.